Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl the pff nfl podcast is brought to you by simply safe if you've been thinking about getting a simply safe home security system but have been waiting for the holidays when all the tech deals come out you've made a smart move because right now i can get you a great deal on simply safe if you go to simplysafe.com slash pff you'll get their amazing holiday offer they rarely do anything like this, but they're doing it just for us. Simply Safe is great protection for your home and family. They don't make you sign a contract, and there's no hidden fees. They're getting great reviews. CNET, PC Mag, and Wirecutter all say Simply Safe is the best security system there is. So if you're looking for a security system and want a great deal, go to simplysafe.com/pff to get the offer. Make sure to use that URL because it really helps the show. That's simplysafe.com/pff. And hurry, this offer ends soon. And Sam and I both got Simply Safe. It is great. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. Welcome to everybody on YouTube and in podcast land, Sam. Yeah. Your laptop going to make it through the show here today? Well, it's, got, it's been plugged in now, so we should be good. 
was, the battery was getting drained down pretty quickly. But I don't know. I the people don't know this, but you've been promoted to a managerial role here. Big, big, exciting times for yeah. us all. In the last few months. And you're just in meetings left and right. Yeah. A lot of meetings. Congrats on your promotion and your, you. your busyness. It's really good. It's, it's about time you actually did something here at PFF. Yeah. It's great. Let's get into some Week 14 action. As always, we like to make a prediction for the game that most of you have already seen, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. The podcast is uh, listened mostly Friday through Sunday, so this game already occurred, and Sam's going to tell you what you saw in this game. Yeah, so basically to, you know, it, the the Derrick Henry thing had been bubbling along for a while, and has been playing fantastically as of late, to the point where it made me start looking up some of my old tweets that were questioning Derrick Henry, you know, comparing him to Toby Gerhardt, for example, Ooh, yeah. suggesting that he wasn't the best running back in his own backfield when he was at Alabama running for 2,000 yards or whatever the hell it was. Against who? Who was better than him? Uh, Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So, so that one's not crazy. In fact, neither of them are crazy. But anyway, the point is, I was getting to the point of questioning how Derrick Henry was looking at the NFL level. But then he, played, he faced the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night and ran for a ton of yards, hit triple digits, got over 100, Whoa. and made me look foolish were it not for the fact that I hadn't actually tweeted those out just in case this happened. So Derrick Henry goes off, gets over 100 yards, looks like the best running back on the field, uh, makes the Jags wish that they had a franchise running back like Derrick Henry. Wow. Um, Derrick Henry beats Leonard Fournette again? And that's what happened, yeah. Just like he did in college? Running back wins. So you can't go wrong here. Either you were right, Henry's terrible, or he goes for 100 here. I mean, it's not about can't go wrong, Steve. It already happened. Derrick Henry went off. Oh, oh, it already happened. All right. Did you pick a winner in this? We both, uh, what did we do? We both took Tennessee. Oh, I regret that immediately. (laughs) I did this. Jags won. The Jags won is what happened, I think. Did, well, I on don't the think road. that's what happened. I just told you. Derrick Henry went off and the Titans won. Well, hopefully we got our pick right as well. We did get our pick right. Okay, Tennessee won. All right, let's get into the actual games for this week. Some, some good ones, some big ones, especially in the NFC. Los Angeles Rams at the Chicago Bears. That is the Sunday night football matchup. There's just so many storylines in this one because the Rams, of course, they're incredible offense. Jared Goff coming off his worst game last week at Detroit. Uh, our boy George over here said, look, that might be the perfect trap game for the Rams, right? They're coming off the Chiefs in a bye. They got Chicago this week, and that Detroit game was kind of sitting there right in the middle. So it's Sean McVay and this Rams offense going up against the Chicago Bears, uh, probably the best defense in the NFL. So if anybody can slow them down, it might be the Bears. Yeah, but it's not going to happen because Sean McVay knows all 11 Bears starters. So... I mean, that's advantage Los Angeles Did you right see there. everybody was raving about his ability right. I mean, to know his opponent on Twitter? <laughs> Look, I get that Sean McVay is kind of, you know, flavor of the month, coach du jour, guy to be applauded, right? And the, the play recall stuff is pretty impressive, right? When, he, when you start quizzing him on plays that happened three years ago in a random Sunday game that made no difference to anybody, right. and he's able to tell you exactly what they were doing on second and ten, that's impressive. Knowing... All 11 players you're about to face this week on defense, not really impressive. Not I, mean, I would consider that baseline of what you should expect a coach to be able to produce. Well, that's the issue. The people that were tweeting about this are coming from such a low baseline of head coaches who just tell you, hey, go watch the film. I have no idea what I just saw or what I'm going to see. Right. That's why. But that, I mean, that's the Relative. thing, right? If you're getting paid millions of dollars to be the head coach of an NFL team, 
I would kind of expect that you should know who the 11 people are you're about to face each given week. It's not that hard, right? You expect the players to be able to come up with a whole host of new plays and game plan specific stuff. The very least you should know is the guys you're about to go up against. So I'm not. I mean, they do spend every second preparing right. for that team. So I'm not massively impressed that Sean McVay was able to know the Bears starters. Anyway, should be a good matchup with McVay and the Bears. There's there's really so many things that McVay does uh, that are that are unique. So when our guys are preparing for Sunday Night Football, they pull out a whole bunch of nuggets, and hopefully a lot of them will show up in graphic form or whatever on Sunday Night Football. One of the things that we've noticed, though, over you know this entire season, essentially, is how unique they are using play action, using it on first down, using it after no huddle. Uh, that's one of those things that they do to keep uh, defenses off balance. Jared Goff, number one in yards per play when using the no huddle, yards per attempt at 10.4, play action percentage on no huddle. Just something specific to keep an eye out for because everything they do makes Jared Goff and Todd Gurley really look good. Yeah, that's the key. And, you know, running 11 personnel almost the entire time as well, the thing that uh, other coaches are criticized for in the past, it's the making of this offense because it creates these light defensive fronts for Todd Gurley to run at the number one. How often? 98% 98% of, the time. of his rushes come against five-plus defensive backs. The next highest guy is at 85%. So, again, just a complete outlier off on his own. Um, and that it creates these wide-open holes you see every week. As impressive as Todd Gurley has been this year, and you know we can be in danger of belittling how well he's playing because right. it's because if you lost him, I don't think it would be a massive blow to that offense, right? But that's not to say he's not doing incredibly well with the opportunities he's getting. Right. But when you watch these, the games, you just see these wide-open spaces that Todd Gurley has to pick and choose in. It's, it's, you know, that's a testament to what the offense is doing, these, uh, the kind of 11 personnel use exclusively, creating these light fronts for him to run into, and then the number one run-blocking line in the NFL opening up these giant holes. And that run-blocking line itself is probably benefiting from these light defensive fronts as well because you're not dealing with those stacked boxes and bodies at the line of scrimmage. You have more space to work with to get into and to execute your block. So the scheme, Sean McVay, Jared Goff, everything in this offense is just working together and making everything else better. It's, this, it's a beautiful example of the sum being way better than the, you know, the collection of all its parts put together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why it's such a great matchup. The Bears' defense... Uh, they rank in the top 10 in PFF grades when covering each position. So in coverage against running backs, against receivers, and against tight ends, they're in the top 10. So there's no just distinct weakness on that Bears defense. Of course, they have Khalil Mack. He's got six sacks now with uh, when he's been blocked by more than one defender. That's number one in the NFL. So there's a lot of interesting stuff here. We've been on like the Aaron Donald tour this week. A uh, whole bunch of Aaron Donald videos that we've posted either for Sports Illustrated, for NFL, for the NFL, for their YouTube channel. Uh, stuff we've done on our own YouTube channel. He's getting MVP hype right now for the Rams because he has those 16 and a half sacks, and we have to give this whole speech about, well, he's not the most valuable player, but he's the best player in the NFL by a wide margin, and we've just got superlative after superlative for Aaron Donald. He has just been unstoppable, and people know that they have to stop him. Yeah, And, it's a, you know, and, it, and it, he's going up against a Bears offense that does a good job of neutralizing opposing pass rushers because of all the eye candy they provide with the motion and 
the ways that they get guys in space. So just just a really good matchup on both sides of the ball on this one. Yeah, that will be a pretty interesting one to see how successfully they neutralize Aaron Donald. I don't think you can neutralize him physically I with just blockers. I think if right. you're going to successfully do it, it's going to be via scheme. Right. I How quickly you get rid of the ball, um, what kind of misdirection and stuff you present him with so that it slows him down himself. You know, he starts hesitating, looking for where the ball is. That's the neutralization I'm talking right. about. Right. Yes. It's all that kind of stuff. I don't think there's any way of actually stopping him by assigning blockers to him. It just doesn't. He's too good. Um, at the very minimum, you need multiple blockers doing it. If you put one-on-one, it's just it's not happening. I mean, he is... He, I would say he is comfortably the best one-on-one pass rusher in the NFL. He is going to win. It's just a matter of how long it takes him, and usually it's pretty quickly. Um, so you're going to need to dress it all up in order to slow him down. But I think the Bears are a, an unusually well-equipped team to do that. Another fun stat that came out this week um, from our PFF guys, most, most games with five-plus pressures since 2014 – that's uh, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald's rookie seasons. Mack has 42. Donald has 41. They're the top two guys in the NFL. Incredible draft class, right? When you have Mack and yeah. Donald coming out, kind of like when you had Vaughn Miller and J.J. Watt coming out of the same class. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky should be back for the Bears. We haven't been able to change our analysis the last couple weeks because he sat out. Still a guy that's graded a lot lower than the stats would show, but his, uh, I think the difference between him and Chase Daniel, I mean, Daniel wasn't very good last week at all. But the difference has definitely been their ability on the ground to just you know pick up first downs, be a part of the design running game. Trubisky does add that element. Still want to see him, you know, be a little bit better on a throw for throw basis. Donald has, season. I think, twenty six more pressures than anybody else in the NFL since coming into the league. Um, it's got to be more than that, isn't it? No, because Von Miller's been in the league the entire time since twenty sixteen. He has thirty six more than anyone. Right, but his rookie season he wasn't as good. Yes, so the past couple of seasons he's been incredible. But yeah. Um, but when you consider the Von Miller basically averages 85 pressures a year, which is essentially a league-leading statistic, a league-leading figure in right. most normal years, like that's Von Miller's average, and he's 26 odd behind Donald since he came into the league. Right, and Donald's a defensive tackle. Like that doesn't that part doesn't get that's kind of the expressed stuff you enough. need to really hammer home is edge defenders generate they just more get pressure. way more pressure, right? Because of unblocked pressure, because of just the nature of the position. You just get more pressure. Yes. Edge pressures get significantly more pressure than interior rushers consistently. It's just the way it happens um, because of all those factors you said. And yet Donald is generating pressure at a higher rate than anybody else since he came into the league and at a way higher rate than anybody else recently. Right. You know, so it's only getting more ridiculous. Like since he came into the league, he beats Von Miller, who's one of the most spectacular speed edge rushers we've ever seen. And over the past few years, it's not even been close. He's way ahead of anybody else. And Vaughn benefits from all the unblocked pressures that you get off yeah. the edge because of bootlegs and the various... Right. You know, Von Miller, I think, had... Over that same time period, Von Miller, I think, had 36 unblocked pressures of some kind. I think Donald was 12, 14, something like that. Yeah. It, was, it was under 20 anyway. Yeah, now, usually on a stunt that, or something. That statistic is not because Donald is so much better than Von Miller. That is a position alignment statistic. Right. All of the defensive interior guys have way less unblocked pressure because it's harder to forget to block a defensive tackle right. than it is an edge rusher where, you know, depending on what way you slide the line, you can intentionally leave an edge rusher unblocked. You're almost never going to do that to an interior guy. It's going to be some kind of screw-up in the scheme that causes this guy to come unblocked up the middle. But the point is, 
he's still been doing it with way less opportunity to get those free pressures. The Chicago offense ran through Tariq Cohen last week. Yeah. 12 catches, but not, a passing touchdown. But not through Alec Ogletree. Not through uh, So last week we said, look, you could run an entire offense when targeting Alec Ogletree. However, I like the way our uh, – what's Ben? Director of uh, analysis, Ben, ben Stockwell, said uh, the Giants sacrificed Landon Collins. Right. So that Alec Ogletree didn't have to die in coverage. That's exactly Tariq what Cohen. it was. So Landon Collins covered Tariq Cohen last yeah. week. And Cohen had the 12 catches for what, 156, had a passing touchdown. He now has the number three receiving grade among running backs. Here's the one I found interesting. He is the Bears' top target on third down, in the red zone, in the fourth quarter, and when the QB's under pressure. Yeah. That's a lot of places that they're going to Tariq Cohen as the, as the go-to guy. He's legitimately their, their go-to receiver, which isn't often a running back, but it is in their case. And I, you've got to kind of give the Giants credit, right? They, I think, identified the same thing we did, which is this could legitimately be the entire offense, is them targeting Tariq Cohen on Ogletree one-on-one all game. So we need to have a completely specific game plan that ensures that does not happen. And Landon Collins, you're right, was the guy that got sacrificed to make it happen. And even though he got eaten alive a couple of times, it's a way better situation than it would have been if they just he's got a better He's got a better shot. And right. that's one of those places where Collins had to take on a, a harder task. His yeah. grade wasn't great because he couldn't handle Cohen. Ogletree makes team of the week because he makes a few splash right. plays so as a had, pass rusher and in coverage. It had the two things, right? It had one benefit, which is it could have been so much worse with the guy that was trying to cover Tariq Cohen. And two, it meant that Ogletree kept popping up places that he wasn't expected to be right. and catching interceptions because of it. So it worked out a couple of ways. It was quite, I mean, that's a genuinely good piece of coach, you know, coach game planning. So many good matchups to watch in this one. I think it's going to be one of the better games of the year. goes back to this whole NFC. The NFC is just playing playoff games every single week. This is another one, and it's, it's at Chicago in December. That's something, too, with the Rams offense going there so uh we're all taking the rams other than who we got zach and neil taking yeah. the bears i could see that i could yeah. see the bears winning this oh i could see the bears winning this too especially with trubisky back um you know probably running a more efficient offense than they've run the last couple weeks uh let's move on to the other uh, really big game one of the other big really big games in the nfc philadelphia eagles at the dallas cowboys now a one game difference cowboys have a one game lead over the eagles the rest of that division, you have the Giants a little bit too far behind. You have the Redskins now rolling Mark Sanchez out there. It seems like those two teams completely out of it. So it's down to the Eagles and the Cowboys. Was it 7-5 and five versus 6-6? Six and six. Yep. At Dallas. What are you looking for in this one, Sam? Yeah, this is. I think this is a kind of fascinating matchup now because the Eagles rescued their season, I guess, with that win against uh, Washington on Monday Night Football. There's still a lot to like about the Eagles, but obviously we know they've been crippled in the most critical areas, like in coverage. They're back. Uh, their secondary has just been decimated. Um, they're way down, but there's still a lot of talent there. They're still good in a lot of the right areas as well. It's a case of how healthy can they get quickly. But this Cowboys defense looks really formidable. Obviously, yeah. the game last week was a big statement game from them. We've said all season long that there probably isn't a defense in the NFL that can do that week in, week out. It's just a case of how many times can they rise to the occasion or can they go to that well. Um, can they do it two weeks in a row? The, the dynamic with Carson Wentz, a quarterback, is a really interesting one as well because he's still playing reasonably well. But when you look at how good he was last season, 
and how he was sort of how that excellent play was being made up. It was being freaky at a bunch of things that are really hard to be freaky at like consistently it's one of the hardest things for us to do i think from an analysis standpoint is to look at carson wentz last year give him proper credit because he was really good in these areas that you usually give quarterbacks credit for you're like wow he was incredible on third down he was incredible on tight window throws he had the the second highest accuracy percentage on tight window throws these are the challenging things he was pretty good under pressure these are those challenging things where you say kudos quarterback you did a great job and then you get to the numbers and the analytical side of it, and you said, man, that, that's really tough to sustain. And that's essentially what's happened. Third down numbers have come down. Tight window throw percentage has come down. Pressure numbers have come down. Big time and throw that's just And that's down. how you what, – what are the numbers again on – was it third down? Yards per attempt are down by like yeah, two. Yeah, they're down by almost two full yards, 9.5 to 7.7, I think, off the top of my head. Um, big time throw percentage is down a couple of percentage points, which that's is massive. That's down, right. Um, his deep ball play is down as well. So basically all of the things that he was so spectacular at last year have come down. They've regressed back to where they should be. That pretty much explains the entirety of the difference between last season's grade and this season's grade. But like on a down-to-down basis, he's still playing kind of the same. Right. It's just that in all of the critical areas, they've all come down. That's what made him so spectacular last year. Oh, that's a good so way of putting it. If you think about the number of plays last season where they found themselves in a hole it was third and 15 and Wentz threw a dagger to somebody you know it's just incredible legit plays. dagger out the deep uh the deep uh in cut with yeah. the seam behind it just incredible like a legit dagger right incredible plays into tight windows to keep a drive alive that should have been basically dead now this season he's playing the same in downs one to two only he's not making the crazy third and 15 play anymore so the drive's over and we we start all over again and it just completely changes the narrative of what you think a guy's doing. Yeah, his, his passing grades dropped from 87.6 last year to 79.6 over on uh, premium stats 2.0. His under-pressure grade goes from about 70 to 59. Again, these are the things, like we said, uh, tough to sustain. And this is the whole thing with quarterback evaluation stuff, right? Carson Wentz, year two, and he makes this big leap forward, and you just assume, well, year three will get better and four will get better. But that's not really how QB evaluation works. It's not just this straight line right. of continuous growth it's ups and downs a little bit we've seen this with guys like Derek Carr we've seen it with Jameis Winston Mariota we've seen it with all these guys um so yeah I think overall Wentz is you know not as good as he was last year but it's, um but it was somewhat predictable it's also a good example of explaining how the the, the different parts of PFF data can be used in different ways so the grade itself is not necessarily predictive to the next year just because a guy is grading well this year does not mean he's going to continue grading well the next year or grade even better etc etc regardless of snap time and and that kind of thing now sometimes it does you find guys that are grading extremely well in limited sample sizes they get a a better opportunity and they continue that and you know pff discovers a gem before everybody else but there are parts of the data but that's the thing we're learning the parts of the data that you can rely upon right the best. So you can look at the grade and you can say it's not incorrect to say that Carson Wentz was playing fantastically last year. But that doesn't mean that that is wrong because he couldn't continue it this year because the, the, the various facets that he was playing so well in last year were the ones that don't necessarily sustain long term. They're the ones that aren't predictive. They're volatile. And if he regresses to the mean in all those statistical categories, he's going to come back down to earth. It doesn't invalidate the first number. It's just... You use different parts of the data in different ways. 
This is the game where Brandon Graham now has five sacks. <laughs> we have a bet. I said he's going to get to 10. This is the game where it needs to happen. And it's not because of the Dallas offensive line. It's because of Dak Prescott. Yeah. We like to, iso- we like to isolate the quarterback from the offensive line. All right. And when the quarterback takes too deep of a drop, when he holds the ball too long, when he does that little spin a Rooney yeah. and his offensive line loses leverage, right. it's the quarterback's fault. Dak has been assigned, directly blamed for 14 sacks this year. That's by far the highest it in the is. league. So just the one sack makes this thing a lot closer. This is one sack last week, yeah. which is one of those, right? It was, was it Colt McCoy or one of their, or Sanchez, one of the two, um, got himself into trouble. Brandon Graham got himself a sack, and suddenly you're right back in this race because yeah. we go up against Dak, who does that. We also go up against Lyle Collins, who himself is only the 60th best pass blocking rate or something in, in the NFL amongst tackles. So that's also good for some pressure. We're also going to face the Redskins again later in the year. Yes. Need Sanchez. And to don't run you into have the few. Texans as well? Yeah, Deshaun Watson in that line. Right. Yeah. So there's really only one game in there that's actually a problem for Brandon Graham at the moment, at least to get a whole lot of pressure. So suddenly this is actually a live bet again. Uh, I'm looking at Dak's career grades as I as I surf through premium here. Career grades against Philadelphia, 53, 59.8, 61.4. I'm working backwards, and I'm going to click on 2016 live here. I know that there was a disaster on um, one of the primetime games, 51.5 and 39.8. Yeah. I need to put those out there on, the, uh, on social media. But Dak has, I mean, he hasn't played well against most NFC East That's teams. suddenly making me want to reassess my I pick. know. I knew this and then forgot about it. Um, for a while, even though I did pick Philadelphia. He has not played well against Philadelphia, though. Many times on primetime and you know, yeah. on, you know, on Sunday Night Football and all that. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. Philadelphia, we already know about their great pass rush and their ability to get after the quarterback beyond just Brandon Graham. Uh, every time you see the Cowboys offensive line going up against this Philadelphia defensive line, it's always a great matchup. Yeah, and that's the, the thing that kind of gets overlooked because Philadelphia is relatively struggling this year is their defensive line is still ridiculous. Like we, I was saying to you earlier this week that we could do a whole video and a whole article on the, the, the distance between Fletcher Cox and anybody else not named Aaron Donald. Yeah, right. right? Like if you right. remove Aaron Donald from the league, Fletcher Cox would look like the outlier freak who's just dominating his position. Like he is so far ahead of every other defensive interior player but nobody talks about it because Aaron Donald is so far ahead of even him to, to just be absurd. So you spend your entire time focused on how ridiculous Aaron Donald is. And the fact that Fletcher Cox is just destroying the rest of the league is kind of going by the wayside because it's just a footnote to that. We should, we should highlight him. Yeah. And, his, and how special is. Is he still not, Where is he in pr- uh, total pressures? Is he third now? Total pressures not named Aaron Donald. I think he's first. But is he ahead of all the edges still? Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago possibly. he was. I just, I just didn't check it recently. Yeah. He's got 66, um, which is, yeah, 18 behind Aaron Donald. But right. 66 total pressures, you know, still pretty absurd for an interior defensive lineman. 92.2 overall grade. Uh, by far the best uh, pass rush grade beyond Aaron Donald. 91.1. Number right after him is Kenny Clark at 88.8. Yeah, so Aaron Donald, 84. Uh, Fletcher Cox, First of the not-named Aaron Donald players, 66. It's a whole category. Ahead of D. Ford, ahead of Jerry Hughes, ahead of J.J. Watt, Donnell Hunter, way ahead of Geno Atkins. So he's – I mean, Geno Atkins is the next uh, interior lineman, right? And he has 13 more pressures than the next interior lineman. Yep. Like he is, he's legitimately off again in his own little island. It's just that Aaron Donald is 
way off on the sunset. And there's few matchups in the NFL. I, I love when you have a division matchup. You just see twice a year Julio Jones versus Marshawn Lattimore. Fletcher Cox versus Zach Martin is one of those. You see yeah. twice a year, not always on the same side, Fletcher Cox, but you're going to see a whole bunch of one-on-one matchups between two elite players. Um, can we just talk about Dallas's defense real quick? Sure. Um, we did it for our Sky preview. If you guys are over in the British Isles, you're going to watch that. Nice. Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, Byron Jones, just this nice homegrown defense that Dallas is building over there. Really fun to watch, especially in recent weeks and what they did to New Orleans last week. Yeah, and like all really good defenses, they're now good at all three levels. So they've got yeah. players that rush the passers up front. That linebacking group is becoming ridiculous, and that's without Sean Lee in there. Like if he comes back, you, all right, it's going to be. Somebody. I don't know what you do if you're going to play. You play well, nickel seventy percent right? of the time. Somebody's going to have a two down role, and that's going to be a pretty small diminished role. But those three players are pretty spectacular yeah. right now. Um, Leighton Vanderesh looks phenomenal. Jalen Smith is starting to look like his old self. His speed and ability to run after guys is pretty incredible. And then obviously Sean Lee, when he ever gets back, is just a great linebacker himself. And then you've got this Byron Jones thing, which a guy who wasn't even a cornerback a year ago is looking like arguably the top shutdown corner in the NFL this season. Didn't allow Michael Thomas to catch a ball last week. Now, okay, he had to interfere with him twice to stop that from happening. But still, that's dramatically better than anybody else has done going up against Michael Thomas. Um, So I don't know if Dallas can duplicate what they did last week against New Orleans. If they can, though, between that and Dak's struggles, could be another low-scoring game. Well, that's what we're all looking for. That's what we're all looking for. A nice low-scoring defensive struggle. I'm taking Philadelphia, and you are taking Dallas, even though you're reconsidering after yeah. I started reading you some Dak Prescott stats. Unhappily so. I forgot about those early uh, early career Dak disasters against Philadelphia. I'm going to get them out on social media so everybody can see them. All right, let's get to the rest of the games in super rapid-fire form. <laughs> Giants at Redskins, Sam. Yeah, Giants-Redskins. Uh, Redskins quarterback situation. Going with Mark Sanchez. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't I? I mean, I don't know. It's not like they have a huge amount of choice out there. Whoever you pick up is going to be a disaster or Colin Kaepernick, and that's not happening. Um, Do we need to dive into? No, we're not going to get into (laughs) anything. I just, I don't understand why they brought it up, right? Obviously, it's not that they brought it up. Every time you get into a ridiculous quarterback situation, you're going to get asked about Colin Kaepernick. But there is a way to handle that question. Right. Without saying, well, we kicked around the idea of bringing him in, but and then list off four idiotic reasons why you're not bringing him in. Like, right. And then you sign Josh Johnson. Right. Like, there are legitimate reasons why you wouldn't bring in Colin Kaepernick, right? And by legitimate, I mean, I don't want to have to deal with this. Right? That's, a, that's, a, that's legitimate a legitimate reason. reason. Right. Now, when 32 teams all collectively decide, I don't want to deal with this, potentially <laughs> behind closed doors. Then you have lawsuits. Then, exactly. Then you have lawsuits happening. But I also but like what, each individual team deciding, I do not want this headache in my building, I think is okay. There's a fair reason to say, I don't want to sign the guy that's now suing the NFL. Like, also right, as of right now, right. you probably. But you have to assume that anybody that signs him, that lawsuit goes away because at that point there can't possibly be collusion. Like they've or there was them. collusion. I don't know. Right. Anyway, I don't, but look, whatever. I don't want to get into it. I just don't want to get into it. I'm just saying there's a way to handle the question without, uh, without like actually accepting the premise and then listing a bunch of idiotic reasons. Yeah, so Mark Sanchez is going to be playing quarterback for the Redskins. Did I? Okay, I picked the Giants. Did you see he had the butt fumble recovery this week? Yeah. So he had a butt fumble, Impressive. obviously. Famous. Legendary. And then this what week was the butt fumble recovery. 
like now he, next, I suppose he had the butt. Can you? He's going to force one as well. You got to give Mark Mar- You have to give Mark Sanchez a full week of practice. You do. And the poor guy came off the bench. Right. Booger said he only knew twenty plays. Right. How could he be expected to know more than like ten, fifteen, more than he knew a week ago? That's not how quarterback and football plays work. That's. I mean, that was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard somebody suggest on a broadcast. Anyway, I want to because we've we've trashed the Giants quite a bit for drafting Saquon Barkley, and we're not reneging on that at all. However, if we could just isolate the same thing we said about Gurley, on on one side of the coin, we could say, look, running backs are interchangeable and they're, you know, not as valuable as you think. And by the way, we had Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley tied for 113th as the most valuable players in the NFL this year. Tied 113th. Tied. Saquon Barkley is now the number two most valuable running back in the NFL, uh-huh. behind Tariq Cohen. Right. And that's kind of still making our point. Behind Tariq Cohen. Because of, the, because of the receiving value. Don't forget the passing touchdown. And the passing touchdown certainly helps. So Barkley's one of the most valuable running backs in the NFL. You could see it. I mean, you could see what he does on the field, but it still hardly even puts a dent. Whereas if you had the most valuable right. you know, somewhere else, some other position, it makes more of an impact. I mean, this is the argument I've been making with Aaron Donald as well. It's that he is the best player in the NFL, period. And it's kind of it's by a significant difference their distance at this point, right? Yes. Like the Fletcher Cox point I've been making, he is so far off the rest of his peers that it's ridiculous. It's something yet, like Donald's almost worth two wins above replacement, and right. Fletcher Cox is sitting around one. Yeah. So from a value standpoint, that's how big. And in PFF war terms, you're right. Donald is almost worth two, but the league leading figure is over six. Right. And 18 quarterbacks sit above Aaron Donald in PFF's war. Right. So it, it does, like, he cannot play well enough to be better, to be worth more to a team than even an above average quarterback. And Saquon and Barkley sitting there is worth even one. less than Aaron Donald. Yes. So that was the point we were making on Saquon Barkley all along is that he cannot play well enough to be worth more than above average quarterback play. And until you have above average quarterback play, it doesn't matter that you have Saquon Barkley. It doesn't matter that you have pretty much anything else on the roster either because you almost can't win without that. And that's not to say that Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen were immediately going to be above-average quarterbacks. Right. But you have to essentially take enough shots you need one at of guys those. that are in the ballpark right. that might be above-average quarterbacks and that the risk is worth it. Right. You need an above-average quarterback at some point, and until you find one, it doesn't matter what the rest of the team looks like. Barkley's been a lot of fun to watch. Forced the most missed tackles in the passing game among all running backs so far this year. I'm taking the Giants because of the Sanchez factor, which apparently you're either a biased Washington columnist or you believe in Sanchez or you forgot that Sanchez was quarterbacking. What was the actual reason for why you picked the Redskins? None of the above. Um, I believe in Sanchez, not one iota. Uh, I believe that they will run into this game trying to idiot-proof the offense in the same way the Jacksonville Jaguars do every single week of the season. They will be handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson, dumping it off to Chris Johnson, or Chris Thompson, rather, lots and lots, and relying on their defense. I do, however, believe that the New York Giants will not play as well as they did a week ago and Mm. still suck. Sorry I questioned your pick. You did have some good reasons behind that. All right, the Atlanta Falcons at the Green Bay Packers, another one of those games that looked really, really good earlier in the season. Now these two teams are pretty much going nowhere. Uh, Packers, we discussed at length the Aaron Rodgers situation and at least posed the question, Mm. could he be at at fault? I would like to also say here, the the faults that we're blaming Aaron Rodgers because he's such a spectacular player. Have you been reading the YouTube comments? No, not at all. This uh, this is just me thinking about this even more. 
putting the blame for Aaron Rodgers also is is like saying, well, he it, the expectations are so high because of Aaron Rodgers initially. So the fact that they're not in playoff contention, we're saying, you know, they're they're just not living up to their high expectations, and he's a part of that. Not that he is this major issue that will always be this major issue, and the Packers are just going to be an eight and eight team at best, yeah. because of him. But it does, does illustrate, yes, it does illustrate just how badly things have gone wrong, right? Because Andrew Luck has dragged some of the worst rosters in the NFL to the postseason. He has by being Andrew Luck. And I don't think Andrew Luck is as good a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers is, right? So for the Packers to be missing the playoffs with him at quarterback is a major issue because their roster is better than those Colts rosters that Andrew Luck was dragging to the playoffs. Now, okay, he did it from an easier division at that That, time. That's the point I'm going to make, though. It's a major thing. When you've got a guy that good is missing the playoffs, that's a problem. Other than losing to Arizona last week, though, it goes back to our preseason analysis of this NFC is loaded – and tough every week, and there's going to be good teams that have bad records. And I think you could. Not, I'm not saying the Falcons and Packers are great teams. Yeah, but they're much better than their records would show. And they've been beaten up by just the competition every single week is stiff in the NFC. Yes, and this is another one of those games mm-hmm. that you know somebody's going to lose, and the record's going to look even worse. Um, anything else you're looking for in particular here? I think Green Bay bounces back, as do you. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Matt Ryan has to go outside. In December. Do you so. want to hear the Matt Ryan? Sure. Grades? You got it. What is it? His grade, as I find it, outdoors this year is 61 on the 0 to 100 scale. 61. Yikes. Indoors, however, 88, 89.7. So he goes from 89.7 in domes to 61 outdoors. There's generally a drop-off. Stats in domes are always inflated. In fact, again, we looked it up. Road quarterbacks in domes have better stats than home quarterbacks outdoors. Want a couple of fun stats based off that? Yes. So the 61 grade would put him 31st in the or 30th rather in the NFL right now between CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, right? So you're saying just the the the, the wind and the cold weather or just the outdoors? Yes. Turns him into a combination a 49ers of, backup. Of C, yes, of CJ Beathard <laughs> and Nick Mullins. But under Kyle Shanahan. Do you know who currently occupies that figure? Of 61.3? Uh 61.6. Who's that? Mitch Trubisky. Oh, boy. <laughs> How did you loop Bears fans back in? I, they probably stopped listening anyway just, since we already covered I, I just team. looked at the number, and that's where he was. Bears so fans, Mitch Trubisky back, right now. Sam. Mitch Trubisky right now is a 49ers backup. Oh, jeez. Is that what the grades are saying? That's what the grades are saying. They need. Oh, I'm not saying it. The grades are saying it. And then his home is 89.7. That would put him like fourth or fifth. 89.7 would put him... Uh, 89.7. It would put him tied with Tom Brady for sixth. So there you go. So that is what the uh, the indoors outdoors. Turns Matt Ryan from Tom Brady into a 49ers backup. Yeah. There you go. So the point is, all these dome quarterbacks have inflated numbers. Hear that, Indianapolis Peyton Manning? Let's go. Speaking of inflated indoor numbers, New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Whew. Drew Brees has better indoor-outdoor splits, but, man, he has been helped by the Dome throughout his career as well. The Bucks are playing some better defense recently after getting rid of Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Okay. That was your point? That's yeah. the end of it? Oh, okay. I just wanted you to say, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that gives I mean, him at least a little bit better shot here. Does New Orleans just bounce back and, and just trounce yeah. this team? Yeah, they do. Yeah, this is going to be a one-sided murdering. Have you noticed how well Jameis Winston's playing lately? No. Playing much better. Yeah. 
How much better? Because he's a, he's a value-add guy. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that he might be as good as Russell Wilson over the next three years. Unconfirmed. Oh, Where'd that come from? I, I just saw somebody retweet that into my timeline today. Gave me a chuckle. Um, no, I... Look. Wife's calling. I need to tell her. Yeah? We're recording. We're, We're live here. We're recording. Um, I mean, Jameis Winston remains Jameis Winston, right? He's just had a little run. Got himself back into the, the job. Had one good game. And then has he really had another one? Well, I'm just saying he... he Gives them a chance to score points because of all the positive grades that he adds. That's always been his thing. But so does Fitzpatrick. It's all always been his thing. Yeah. No, but Fitzpatrick doesn't. His his slows down at some point. <laughs> Whereas, of course, Jameis. Jameis has the highest percentage of positive grades since 2010. Right, but he's so. I mean, Fitzpatrick's got one of the highest percentages this year. The problem is not their positive plays; it's that both of them keep making terrible, terrible plays all the time. Since the Cincinnati game, Jameis has put up ridiculous raw numbers and his grading has been much better. The Jameis coaster is alive and real and he's a value-add type of quarterback who will give them a chance against New Orleans this week. I sure. Okay. It's going to be a better game than people think. All right. Because Tampa Bay's playing. We're all taking New Orleans, but it's going to be a better game than people yeah. think. And uh, Jameis continues to kind of audition for his future, whether it's in Tampa Bay or Oakland. Mm-hmm. Or somewhere else. CFL. But we're all taking the New Orleans Saints. Panthers at the Browns. You watching Baker? Always. Every every week. Bad, bad week from Baker last week. He was bad last Rough. week. Um, yeah, that didn't go well at all. He, he actually kind of turned it around a little bit. I was vaguely impressed by the idea. This is going to sound ridiculously like confirmation bias and PFF, just being PFF. Don't, no, we can't, but we can't be biased here. I was vaguely impressed that he didn't completely go in the tank in after what had happened, right? A couple of horrible interceptions that basically tossed the game away very early on. And from that point on, they're just chasing a forlorn hope. And a lot of times when that happens to quarterbacks, that's when you get three more of those terrible decisions. No, I think he's, he's just a good garbage time QB now. That's I mean, a- I was vaguely impressed that he didn't completely go and make a, a mess of it. And it ended up, you sort of saw a bit more of good Baker in the second half. He's but- a good garbage time QB. He did the same thing against the Chargers. Yeah. Makes these big... Because here's the thing. He's always going to be this aggressive thrower. So right. even when you're down, eventually he's going to, you know... Makes some throws down the stretch, kind of save his grade a little bit or save yeah. save the numbers a little bit. You have them beating the Panthers. I do. I have them bouncing You hate back. the Panthers that much that you think the Browns are going to take them down. I was so right about them being the worst 6-2 and two team in history that they're now 6-6. Six and six. <laughs> So I'm going to roll with it. Look, we were, we were all over Cam Newton last week. The more you hear about him dealing with a shoulder injury, we talked to Zach Robinson. He said, first throw you saw him, ball's wobbling, ball's not coming out of his hand the right way. Don't know about his health. They're on the road against Cleveland in the cold. Maybe Greg Williams blitzes like nuts. Maybe. Well, it probably does, but right. doesn't get home. Yeah. So, taking Cleveland in this one. Okay. I mean, I think Carolina are better than that. They may not be <laughs> a 6-2 and two team, but they're still pretty decent. Now they're one of the better 6-6 six and six teams. Right. They've still gotten enough That's problems gotten from. for the, the Browns to have to deal with. Uh, so. PFF grades have. Just from a pure, let's see, where is it, overall? Yeah. Overall standpoint. Oh, let me look. From a passing grade standpoint, Baker Mayfield, number 15. Cam Newton, number 16. Mm-hmm. So how about that? They're right next to each other in PFF passing grade. All right, let's get to, yeah, I'm taking Cleveland. You're taking Overall grades Carolina. have the Panthers dramatically higher than the Browns, though. It's okay. 19th versus 27th. Road game. 
Uh, we really got to fly here. You really have a hard out again? Yeah. You're going to have to cancel. There's too many games this week. Well, maybe if you just hurried up. All right, Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. What are you watching for? Why do you hate the Texans? Why do I hate the Texans? Because they have... Well, we're all second. taking the Texans to win. Texans fans were so mad at us because we wouldn't give them credit. Whatever. Second worst offensive line in the NFL. A quarterback who's dealing on his own with just tossing it to New Hopkins and suddenly it, somehow it's working. Um, defense is reasonably good, but I still don't trust the talent on the back end. It's being kind of uh, masked a little bit by some good scheme and a really good pass rush up front. I just don't think they're that good. Like I, at this okay. point, I'm resigned to the idea they're going to win. a whole video that explains it. You don't have to explain it. They're going to win the division. They're going to end up in the playoffs, but then they're going to get their ass kicked. Oh, I don't know. I think they're going to be they're going to be like the Chargers, a couple wild card teams that are going to be tough outs for the Steelers for um, whoever else they have to play. If they have to play the top of my a head. team like the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the playoffs, they're going to get their ass kicked. Yeah, maybe. Um, second straight big challenge for the Colts offensive line. That's what I want to see here. Yeah, because they failed last week. You're going to see some teabagging. That grinds your gears, I know. Well, Nelson, it's G- just G-back. that if it was any other position. This is not keeping it on point. We'd be getting complaining. It. All right, we'll save it to the end. Save it to the end. Let's go. We won't have time Let's for go. grinds your gears. We're all taking Houston. New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. New England has won what, like one out of the last five in Miami. So any reason to believe Miami can win this game? Xavier Howard is hurt and uh, missing no, the game. Almost no reason whatsoever, which is usually how they win because there's never any reason the Dolphins beat the Patriots other than that's how that works. Okay, so we're all taking New England here? Yeah, so Miami will win. I want to see how New England uh, bounces back after last year. They got destroyed. I mean, they were just bad against Miami last year on Monday Night Football. Baltimore Ravens at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an intriguing matchup because the Ravens, again, in that top echelon of defenses. At Kansas City, though, how can they even slow down this offense? Marlon Humphrey hasn't really been practicing. That could be a big problem. That's a big issue. This is one of those. This is I've heard this from Ravens fans though. Lamar Jackson, the running game, ball control. Can you limit possessions? This is if that's your, the construction of your team. That's your hope, right? This right. perfect game where you can control the ball. So there's that is a good way of doing it, right? Because when you face these teams like the Chiefs, if you're going to get in a shootout, it's all about possessions, like we said. Now there's two ways of kind of stealing possessions. One is with turnovers, but the other way is by just manufacturing a stop of some kind, right? right? And if you keep them off the field for a huge period of time, in a, there's some sort of f- weird psychological flip that happens where they're like, okay, we need to do something. We can't. There's no mistake here because if we screw it up, there's another 10 minutes going off the clock. And it just it somehow puts the owners back on the explosive team that you expect to have success. And if they have one quick three and out, that somehow it changes the whole dynamic because right. now you're going to have the ball for like 25 minutes straight. And it's suddenly, suddenly those guys are then under pressure and they have to come out and light it up immediately. And that probably has like a self-perpetuating effect on the whole game. So you can kind of, you can do it either by manufacturing turnovers or just by keeping them off the field. We've seen Jacksonville then, do this a couple times, two good offenses. Yeah. It's just tough, tough to And sus- then intensifying the pressure that goes on that offense because they know they're right. not going to have the ball again for a long time. But we've also seen the Chiefs in a comeback situation, say, against New England, where all of a sudden it's like, boom, 75-yard touchdown, yes. and hey, we're back in That's it. That's the problem with that. The Ravens blitz more than any other team on third down, so we'll see if they do attack Patrick Mahomes, who has uh, been just really good no matter which way you uh, slice and dice him up. Lamar Jackson, we, described, we had a pretty in-depth breakdown of him, and uh, that's on our YouTube channel and on the last podcast as well. We're all taking Kansas City, Yep, but I think Baltimore has a chance, especially if Humphrey can get on the field and play to at least keep it close. 
Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we don't know if Sam Darnold is starting as of recording time. Would love to see Sam Darnold versus Josh Allen, though. Yeah. Josh Allen was our team of the week quarterback last he week, was. by the way. Although it was tremendously ironic that he came up essentially short for arm strength in the final play of the game. It was. Um, only because the, the ball came out of his hand like, you know, like a wobbler. Right. He actually should have thrown a spiral. It would have been there perfectly. But it was kind of ironic and typical Josh Allen. Um, I, he's, he's a fun quarterback to watch. I'm still curious as to where he gets to, like where his ceiling is, where he becomes the passer. Because mm-hmm. all the stuff we're seeing him do right now is the kind of stuff he was doing at Wyoming, which is to say largely outside of the structure right. of the game, massively um, dependent on his legs and arm strength. But, again, it's kind of like the Cam Newton thing where I made the mistake at, uh, when looking at him coming out of college of saying well, there's no way that works at the NFL level because the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. But when you're that much of an outlier, it's, you still have success. I think Josh Allen is a similar kind of deal. That was like, well, of course you can run around like that in Wyoming, but try doing that against you know the NFC South or whatever. It right. turns out you still can. You can, yeah. So I think people possibly gave or weren't um, high enough on Josh Allen's athletic gifts outside of his arm, right? The arm was obviously the thing that got all the attention. I think but it I, turns out he's athletically pretty freaky as well. I acknowledge those, but I just thought, hey, that's only 10% of the game. Right. And I'm not saying you have to just be straight drop-back passer the entire time, but at some point you do have to do that. Last week he had five big-time throws, and that's, that's high-end you know, that's yeah. the high-end stuff, right? Um, so the highlights are there. Zach Robinson broke it down over on the YouTube channel as well if you guys want more on that. Uh, we're all taking Buffalo yeah. in this one because, hey, they're also quietly sitting on a very good defense that – you know, their offense was so incompetent for much of the year, you ignore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver Broncos at the San Francisco 49ers. The Broncos are going to go over 500 here all of a sudden. Yeah, which is, I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, they're still right in this. They're still alive. Phil Lindsay getting incredible yards before contact. We yes. don't, we're not as high on him as Denver fans who keep reminding us about his gaudy statistics. He's, He's been good. Create some big plays, but he's getting some big holes. He's getting a lot of the same benefit as Todd Gurley is, which is these giant holes to exploit. And I, Once you start opening up holes that big, you basically just want the fastest running back you can have who can get through that hole and then get into open space. Yep. It's part of the reason why he's having a lot more statistical success than Royce Freeman because he's just a lot faster. So when he hits that hole and it stays that big, he's gone, whereas Royce Freeman can be caught. The That's end. it. I'm taking Denver. You're taking Denver. Yep. Neil's taking the 49ers. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the Los Angeles Chargers. We're all taking the Chargers because it's Jeff Driscoll on the road against the Chargers. Oof. Could be ugly. The Chargers did all their damage on Sunday night without, without Melvin Gordon, the 113th most valuable player in the this NFL. This is like a two-touchdown spread, and I still think they're good for it. Yeah, I think they should be, especially the way the Bengals' defense has been playing. The Chargers exploited the Steelers' linebacking core. In coverage, yeah. The other day, and the Bengals are one of the worst, yeah, linebacking cores at the NFL. So Though they might at least have a better game plan for dealing with uh, Keenan Allen than not covering. Not gonna him. have linebackers on Keenan the entire yeah. time. Philip Rivers still waiting for that big dud of a game. I don't think this will be the one though. Uh, Detroit Lions at the Arizona Cardinals, another game that doesn't mean a whole lot. We previewed this for the NFL. You check it out on their YouTube channel as well. Matthew Stafford, clean pocket numbers. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. With Golden Tate, passer rating of 107.2. That's dropped to 86.8 without Tate. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is Golden Tate's ability to manufacture yards after the catch. He is but consistently 
depth of target has dropped by two yards too. Just right. like everything about Stafford has become a yeah. little bit worse. But a lot, I mean, Golden Tate is always essentially the number one wide receiver in terms of broken tackles after the catch. Yeah, like, so that's going to enhance your uh, passer rating numbers. And for a couple of years now, we said Stafford's numbers have been inflated compared to his grades. Yeah, it's still early in this whole thing, but. Stafford's having a weird year because the same thing I said about Rivers. He hasn't had that spectacular game. Maybe this is it against Arizona. We all take in Detroit. We are. Yep. Even on the road. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Oakland Raiders. Pittsburgh saw people tweeting it out. They haven't had a good history at Oakland, but they haven't faced an Oakland team this bad. <laughs> it's true. Um, I mean, they have. But I mean, they're de- so Oakland. Oakland gave Kansas City a pretty good game last week. Yeah, though. but division game. Division game. Yeah, you're like me. That's right. Uh, Stuff happens in division. Right. Games. And the Steelers, so the Steelers' defense tends to get exposed by good offenses, right? But it always plays above the way it should against not good offenses. But Derek Carr played great last week. Yeah, but they're still not a good offense. I mean, Derek Carr played really well, but you don't expect that to happen every single week. True. And the rest of the offense isn't great. The tackles are bad, blah, 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 right? This, the old Raiders are not a good offense. I think we can all objectively say that, even if they have occasions where they look okay. So I would expect the Steelers' defense to suddenly look very good again, the way they tend to against bad offenses, at which point their offense should be more than a match for Oakland's defense, which is awful. Therefore, that's fair. easy Steelers win. Derek Carr's grade dropping from 86.7 in a clean pocket to 44.6 under pressure passer rating of 105 down to 64.5. It's pretty standard there, and uh, the Steelers, if they get some pressure against this rough Raiders O-line, they'll be able to get to Carr. Yeah. All right, another really, really good game. We'll spend an extra minute or two on this one, right? Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. Monday night football. Based off the Cousins coaster, the Cousins we've coaster. got at Chicago, can't win it. You know, division game, this is why you paid him. Then he beats the Green Bay Packers, has a, has a strong game, and this is why you paid him. And then he goes to New England, and why did you pay him? Because you can't beat good teams. So now what happens in Seattle? Because last year... He had one of those, wow, great comeback games with Washington, overcame the offensive line, did it in Seattle, and that was the thing. That was one of the games Minnesota actually pointed to when they said that he showed he could do it in the clutch. Yeah. It's a roller coaster every week. He's the same guy we said. He's the 10th to 15th best quarterback in the NFL, and his stats will fluctuate based off of his supporting cast, which from a receiver standpoint is great, from an offensive line standpoint is not. Yeah, I mean, so for a start, I think Minnesota's defense needs to get itself back in order. Um, the it, It's a good defense. It's not a great defense. In the past, they've had a great defense, and they've regressed this year. Now there are no great defenses in the NFL. There's only good ones. And at the moment, the Vikings are a good defense. is capable of big games, but haven't shown it consistently. Um, and a team like the Patriots is very good at exposing the weakness of a good but not great defense. And that's kind of what happened in that game. So suddenly, the Vikings' offense, the problems are magnified because they're not able to be carried by the defense the way they were a season ago. So right. you, you had a guy like Case Keenum who could just steer the ship and toss the ball up to some great receivers into tight coverage, and that was enough because you knew the defense was going to be phenomenal. This year, that's not the case. So a lot more is on the shoulders of Kirk Cousins, and you're way more vulnerable and susceptible to the roller coaster that is Kirk Cousins. Um, now, for the Seahawks, their defense, I don't think they can match up one-on-one with the Vikings wide receivers, but they'll win in the trenches, and they have Bobby Wagner. So it's a case of how much can they offset the fact that they probably can't cover those guys one-on-one 
with the fact that they're going to they're going to dominate at the line and they have Bobby Wagner too who can really mess things up in terms of tight ends and running backs. Bobby Wagner with those big plays, number 2 most valuable defensive player behind Aaron Donald this year. Yeah. Per the uh, war numbers. I'm looking at Russell Wilson statistically right now is just incredible. 29 touchdowns, 5 interceptions now on the season, 115.5 passer rating, but only number 8 in PFF grades. You look at what's dragging him down, it's the fumble grade. Because again, we're gonna that's not showing up in the stats. He's got the fifth worst fumble grade, meaning he's had a whole bunch of uh just fumbles that we're blaming him for, essentially. Bad ball security. Had two of those interceptions were untimely pick sixes. But he's done a really good job of throwing to lesser receivers this year and making them look good down the field. And then you've got a guy like Tyler Lockett, who still has a perfect passer rating yeah. when targeting him. Hundred and fifty eight point three. All he does is score touchdowns. Tyler, Chris Carter, Lockett. Yeah. We've gotten over there. That's all you got there? Yeah. I just, I just wanted to crack a joke. I've got a hard out, Steve. There's no time for hardcore analysis. Are you worried about it's like jokes and the one-minute hard out or the real one, which is four minutes? Well, that's the now. thing. Now it's, now it's up in the air. Last, year, last week, it was a hard out at 2.30 or 3.30 or whatever it was. Then they call early. Three minutes. That's the worst. And that screws the whole thing up. So now I don't early. know. Do I have a hard out in four minutes or do I have a hard out in a minute? Do we take advantage of all four of your minutes if they don't call you? Well, yeah, we keep question. talking. That would give us ample time to talk about teabagging. What do you think happens in this game? I think the Vikings lose because it's in Seattle. I took Minnesota because I got, I got cousins going here, yeah, you, here, you're, you're here. battling. You're banking on the roller coaster of cousins overcoming yeah. the Seattle home field advantage. I'm also this whole like Russell Wilson, so you know, he's inconsistent week to week, and this yep. could be one of those games where Minnesota gives him could some be. trouble. So I'm taking Minnesota. Let's get into what grinds your gears. No, oh, your phone's ringing. You see? Hard what grinds your gears will be on next week. Two minutes early. Right, I'm out. I'm gone. Now i got to go monologue again to wrap it up. Special thanks to Sam Monson for uh, showing up to the podcast today for the majority of it. And now he's going to leave again. It's a Thursday tradition. Bye, Sam. Uh, no, seriously, thanks to everybody for, for listening. Uh, we'll be back again Monday reviewing all of the Week 14 action. Of course, don't forget to get to ProFootballFocus.com to get your PFF Elite Package for all of these great stats and numbers. And special thanks to all of our sponsors. That'll do it for me and uh that's it just me talk to you guys next week quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can rewatch it after the fact I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.